And Jihad Dib joining me in just a couple of moments, member for Lakemba. Look, um, further to my comments, I'm not suggesting that we let COVID rip <laughs> through New South Wales at all by learning to live with the disease and hopefully getting back to some normality. I mean, I do preface my comments by saying we obviously need to ensure we're looking after the most vulnerable. But I see disability advocates are alarmed that the idea Australia needs to, quote, learn to live with COVID, unquote, saying that could mean a life of isolation and even death for many people with disabilities. Services provider Chief Australia said the only way forward was for everyone to be vaccinated, but it continued to feel forgotten as its disabled clients and staff were still unable to get the jabs. Chief Executive Joanne Hewitt said she was alarmed at recent comments from some politicians and the business community about the need to live with COVID-19 in the community. Well, look, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I have to disagree with you, Joanne. Look, certainly, yes, absolutely. The disabled and and the carers for the, the disabled need to be vaccinated as soon as possible. They should have been first on the list, like aged care workers and others, rather than bloody politicians. But eventually we are going to have to learn to live with this disease because it's not going away. Anyway, she says the idea of letting COVID rip in the community actually sentences people to a life of exclusion. Yeah, well, maybe. Not if they're vaccinated, um, Joanne. And that's what they need to be. And, you know, just because the federal government stuffed up the rollout of vaccinations... And we're so far behind, does that mean that businesses, mum and dad operations, people that work in the gig economy, part-time casual workers, need to continue to suffer as well? I'm not uh, dismissing the suffrage, of course, of many people with disabilities. Absolutely. Look, we know the federal government has established 24 disability vaccination hubs around Australia. So I'm hoping these are being used. And I'm hoping Joanne Hewitt from this Achieve Australia organisation, this service provider, is ensuring that as many in her sector are taking advantage of these vaccination hubs. You know, but you can lead a horse to water. You know the analogy here. You know, we need to get vaccinated. We need to build up a herd immunity toward COVID. And whatever strain comes next, God, let's hope there's not another one. But we need to plan that there may well be just, you know, are we learning lessons from last year? You know, we thought we'd beaten this thing and gotten back to normal after the lockdowns of last year. And here we are in July 2021 with our biggest city locked down at nearly a billion dollars a week. And Melbourne, our second business city, on the brink of a lockdown as well. Why? Well, because we've mucked up. Quarantine and vaccination. That's not the fault of small business owners. That's not the fault of casual workers in the gig economy. That's the fault of our decision makers. Lay the blame squarely on them rather than punishing the business community and others. Get in contact with Marcus anytime. Email us MP in the morning at 2SM Super Network. Yeah, I got some emails I'll get to in just a moment, but Jihad Dib has called through, member for Lakemba. Jihad, good morning to you, mate. Good morning, Marcus. How are you? Look, I'm okay. What's happening out there in your neck of the woods? Is the message getting through on what the lockdown means for 
people of, of uh, culturally different backgrounds, if you like. We know that uh, yours is one of the most multicultural areas in the city, Lakemba and elsewhere. Uh, are we doing a little better with the messaging? We're doing much better with the messaging, Marcus, and I think it's been a real big team effort. Um, I've seen a number of people get messages out, um, you know, who people who speak a different language or just people who have got some influence, and I've been really heartened by the number of people who have just distilled the message uh, to get it out. And you would have seen that a number of uh, my colleagues and I put things out in different languages. Um, I'll give a shout-out to Multicultural New South Wales, uh, you know, as an agency who have really put some things out, and even... Uh, the other day, my local health, um, my local health district people actually went around and were giving out things for people to put on the windows of their yeah. shops that made it really simple. So that was always my biggest thing was let's get the message out. Let's communicate it really quickly so that people know exactly what they need to do. Yeah, we tried to play our part last week. I hope it made a little bit of a difference. I think it was the first on uh, on this sort of program in, in Sydney Radio, I broadcast all of the messages in different languages that you and your fellow colleagues had put out on social media. I just ran the thing on air and I hope the messages got through. No, you did, mate, and I really appreciate it. And that's why I was saying before that everybody can do their bit, but good on you also for taking the lead on this. And I think it, um, it says a great deal about our wonderful Australia that we can play things on mainstream radio that could be in different languages. And people just say, yep, this is really fantastic because we're trying to get the message out. So everybody who can actually make a difference has been doing so. And that's been really important because ultimately what we want is we want people to be able to get the message so they can adhere to the health advice and also know quite well what's going on and take this thing really seriously. And and we've certainly seen that. We've seen that with the number of people, the increase in number of testing, people who have stopped moving around as much as they possibly can. And also people who just want to, make sure they reach out to others to ensure that they're doing okay. Look, the Premier yesterday, and this is something that's it's sort of really bugged me, she still refuses to outline, her government refuses to outline what is an essential worker and what is not. Uh, look, I'm hearing from the business community, I get a lot of emails from small business owners um, that they think that there's a little bit of an unlevel playing field Why the big box owners are able to sell clothing and electronics, but the local corner sh- store can't. Uh, and, you know, why can't we get a haircut, but we can go out and buy the bloody latest CD from Pink or whatever? You know, it's it, there seems to be an issue here of of what's essential and what is not. And are you are you hearing that in your community as well from, from local businesses? Yeah, definitely hearing that. And I had a chat with a couple of uh, local business owners yesterday. I rang them up to let them know about the new uh, support packages, you know, ones that I know. And I put something up on my Facebook with the links so they can easily access it. And and I remember one person in particular, actually a barber, who said, Jihad, why is it that we're locked down and others don't? Almost exactly what you had just said. Um, you know, we had a little bit of a chat about it. And, and they're doing it tough. Like small businesses are generally mum and dad businesses, family businesses. Then you've got people who work in those particular stores who don't have work at the moment. And they can't quite work out why some are doing it and some aren't. And I think that's been one of the struggles is trying to explain what an essential service for an essential worker is, and it hasn't been done as clearly as other things have. Well, that's right. Uh, Look, I I understand we need to keep people working. I get that. But, you know, why is it that the bigger stores are able to remain open? And uh, I I don't blame them. You know, they're uh, acting within the, the rules, if you like. And yes, QR codes are mandatory. I understand all of that. But if everybody's masking up, if QR codes are mandatory, then surely... 
other businesses can now open or should be able to open, including, you know, those, uh, for instance, hairdressers. You mentioned a barber. Why can't barbers reopen, uh, for goodness sake? Yeah, look, and obviously there must be some health advice, and I've been trying to uh, be as proactive as I can. I'm not going to go out and just be critical for the sake of being critical, but I think I think what you're saying is spot on, that there needs to be a lot more clarity. Maybe we need to understand why certain things are happening. I mean, the other thing that I was concerned about is that people could effectively get in trouble or be fined for being at one of the stores that's open. So you can't kind of have these stores open and people go and visit them and then they're being um, you know, punished because they're going to somewhere where they're meant to be. I thought that the clearest message was stay at home unless you absolutely need to. Now, the other thing that we need to do, though, is if we end up opening or closing stores, we need to make sure that we provide the support and it's the financial support. People are doing it really tough. That's yeah. the message that I keep hearing. Um, not only financially, but they're doing it really tough emotionally. We thought that we'd got through this, and I think that we weren't as psychologically prepared this time around. I'm getting constant messages and requests for support for people who effectively sometimes just want to hear a voice and they just want to have a phone call with you to try yeah. and pick up their spirits. But, but definitely businesses are doing it tough. Look, in my part of the world, and certainly around Fairfield, which is a bit further out west and around there, mm. most of the, you know, a, a huge number of the employees there don't have the luxury of being able to work from home. They don't have the luxury of secure employment. They don't have the luxury of being able to make a decision as to whether, you know, they can take a day off work. They just can't do it. You know, they're struggling. So they actually need either support or they need the businesses to open. And, and whether that comes down to following the health advice, wearing the mask, we've obviously got the mandatory QR. Yep. We've got to look at that because ultimately, I mean, the question is... You, you, if you want to keep, keep people working, keep the economy going, but you don't risk, obviously, people's safety at that. So how can we ensure that people who were asking them to stay at home, not to work, are then being supported properly? $500, $600 is, is, you know, is a really good start. But the reality of it is most of that money will go to rent if you're renting a place. So what well, are you absolutely. actually going to live on? Yep. Or they will choose not to pay their rent because there's a moratorium at the moment, but it'll accrue and then they'll end up with a debt. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and they're the things that you could worry about. And if this lockdown goes for an extended period of time, that debt could easily, easily become two, $3,000. That's a huge that's a huge responsibility for someone to take if they're already in a financially difficult situation. Absolutely, so, and I'm not having, a, I'm a, not having a crack at, you know, the landlords. I mean, you know, they have, uh, they've got repayments to make as well. This is the problem with it. If you're, you're shutting down the entire economy for an extended period of time, eventually it's all going to catch up with you. And yes... Five six hundred dollars a week is is helpful, absolutely, but you know it's not going to scratch the surface in a city like Sydney. Yeah, mate. Look, you could put everything you want on the credit card, but eventually you're going to have to pay it back, and it's going to make a big difference, and it's going to make for some really difficult decisions for families to make. I'd hate to see a family make a decision between paying their bills and having food on the table. In a country like ours, we should be able to live, you know, a, a pretty good lifestyle with without anybody going hungry, without anybody worrying that they can't turn the heater on because they can't afford it. That's the support that we need to provide at the moment. Because let's not forget, if we're asking people to stay home during the winter months, their energy bills are also going to start going through the roof fairly soon. Yep. All right, mate. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Nice to talk to you. Thanks for your support and your help and for getting the message out, Marcus. Have a good one to you and your listeners and stay safe. Thank you. Jihad Dib, member for Lakamba on the program.